This is a re-recording of yesterday's message, as technical difficulties meant we weren't able to record it live for our podcast and Faith Life page. Even so, we hope you're blessed by it, and you enjoy getting into God's Word together with us. Let's start by reading from God's Word in John chapter 11, from verses 1 to verse 3. This is God's word. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointments and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Thanks be to God for his word. Now, it's just a short reading this morning, though I'm sure you can already see in the very next verse that there's more to the story. And this illness actually has a miraculous and very happy ending. Of course, at this point in the story, Lazarus doesn't know that, and neither do his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Neither do the the disciples, and neither uh, does the messenger. And neither do we, when we get ill, know exactly how things will turn out. Getting back to verse 3 for a moment, though, there's something to notice right off the bat, and that's that even those Jesus loves get sick. And Jesus loves you if you trust in him. So my brother, my sister, if Jesus is your king and rescuer, you are one whom the Lord loves. And this is the wonderful truth of the gospel. We should remind ourselves of this. We should remind each other of this often, especially when we feel most unloved, and most unlovable, and especially when we're sick. Because of Jesus, you are one whom the Lord loves, whether you're sick or not. And you know, that might be all you needed to hear today. And if that is, if you just needed to hear that Jesus loves you, no matter what, then be encouraged. But there is more I'd like to show you from God's word, because yes, those whom the Lord loves do actually get sick. And in three verses, we're told once that Jesus loves Lazarus, but we're told three times that he's ill. How are those who the Lord loves meant to handle illness? I'm sure this question was on the minds of Lazarus, minds of his sisters, the messengers, the disciples. It's on our minds when we get sick. And so this is the question I want to answer from God's word for us today. How should Christians handle being sick? For obvious reasons, it's a relevant issue at the moment, but in reality, it always is. Now, we're going to be hopping around different parts of the Bible, so it'd be great if you had a Bible open with you so you can follow along. You'll also find an outline on our service sheet. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get going. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, in your book, you've written every day of our lives before they ever were. Thank you so much that you know us and you love us. Please teach us from your word now to live and rest in your love, even when our days are difficult. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sickness is all around us, and in reality it always has been. It's just simply part of life on planet Earth. Whether we're dealing with pathogens out there or we're dealing with malfunction in here, We can't escape illness. 
And just like it's true that everyone dies, it's true that everyone at some time or another gets sick. At the moment, there's a virus spreading rapidly through every nation on Earth. It's got varying degrees of impact from person to person. It's already affected some of our church family. But COVID-19 aside, there's always plenty more sickness of all shapes and colors around, chronic and acute, mild and serious, benign and malignant, mental and physical, debilitating, fatal and not. For myself, I'm quite familiar with depression, with migraines, with the occasional childhood broken bone, with impacted wisdom teeth, and the effects of stress on my body, amongst other things. In our church family, I know that there are those who've been given the dreaded diagnosis of cancer by their doctors. Some of you listening have had heart attacks, infections, damaged joints and limbs, severe burns, disabilities. Some have chronic conditions like asthma. There's depression and anxiety. Some are recovering from treatment or surgery. And I'd be very surprised if there was one of us who had never had the flu or a cold or a bout of gastro. The various health workers in our church family see a massive range of sickness on a daily basis. And most of us have cared for loved ones who've been sick, some even to their final days. Sickness is part of our lives. But why? How did we get here? Let's look at what the Bible says about that question. Why is sickness part of our lives? The Bible's answer is a simple one. Sickness is part of our lives simply because of sin. Now, we've got to be very clear what the Bible is saying and what it's not saying on that point. What the Bible is saying is that when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis chapter 3, The good created order that God had made in his new creation was broken, it was damaged, and disease and death entered the world for the first time. So all sickness can trace its origins back to the origin of sin. We're told in Romans 8 verse 21 that the creation is in bondage to corruption as a result of that first sin. Corruption or decay, depending on which Bible translation you're using. But it's waiting for restoration. And so that's why God showed John in Revelation 21 that in the new creation, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. You see, when sin is finally dealt with, sickness will be finally dealt with too. But for now, sickness is in the world Because sin is in the world. But what the Bible isn't saying is that sickness is always the direct result of your personal sin. It could be, though, if you drink excessively and end up with liver disease, or if you sleep around and end up with an STD, then sickness is a direct consequence of your sin. But all of us are caught in the fallout of the first sin, and so we live in a world that's groaning with the effects of sin. And that's why we get sick. We're not in heaven yet, and so we get ill. This raises an important question for Christians, though. We know that Jesus died for our sin, but did he die for our sickness as well? In other words, 
Should Christians expect to overcome illness in this life? I think this is a reasonable conclusion to come to when you read the Bible, because most times when sickness is mentioned in the Bible, it gets healed. There's some kind of healing miracle that takes place, and that's why the sickness is mentioned in the first place. So in the Old Testament, prophets and priests end up healing people, and in the New Testament, it's Jesus and the apostles. They end up with these healing miracles. Going a bit deeper, we look back to the Old Testament prophecies. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says that he, talking about Jesus in the future, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It's Isaiah 53 verse 5. Psalm 103 is probably a bit more direct. This is Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your diseases. I think in our our short reading this morning, there's also the slightest hint that because Jesus loves Lazarus, he really ought to do something about the fact that Lazarus is sick. Many Christians are quite adamant that those whom Jesus loves can expect present healing from every physical affliction. Now, I think there are three points that are worth making here. The first point is that God is completely capable of providing, and he does provide miracles of healing even today, which medicine is at a loss to explain. And yes, we should be praying for this in the case of illness. God is capable of doing that, and our faith in him shows that we will believe that he is capable of doing that. But in any case, all healing is God's healing, whether it's mediated through medicine or not. So if you're sick and you get better, if you're healed, bless the Lord who heals all your diseases. It's his work. So that's the first point. God's completely capable of providing healing. But the second point we want to make, and that's because of what we've been saying so far, sin and not sickness is the major issue of concern to God. Because of the nature of sin, the Bible often describes it poetically, metaphorically, in terms of a sickness that needs healing. Because sin is actually like a terminal wasting disease that infects and destroys souls. And it's no mistake that Dr. Luke frequently uses a word in his gospel which can mean healed or saved. And so we must always be careful to understand what the Bible actually means. A great way to do that is to read around the verse that we're we're reading to see what the context is of what's going on. So Psalm 103 is a great example of that, where we look more broadly at what the point of the psalm is and not try to get, you know, isolate that one verse about diseases and healing. Isaiah 53, 5, by Jesus' wounds, it says we are healed, but healed from our sin. It was the whole of Isaiah 53. It's that well-known Easter passage about the suffering Savior. And so for the same reason, we must always be careful not to pursue physical healing at the expense of spiritual healing, praying that we might get better when actually God wants to work on our hearts. And we're going to talk a bit more in a moment about what that might look like. The third point, though, is that actually Christians can expect to be delivered from all physical illness and disease. But, 
it might not be right now. So remember what we read in Revelation 21? It will all one day be no more, for the old will give way to the new and our bodies will be renewed in glory forever. We will be rescued from the effects of sin and transferred to the new creation of Christ's kingdom forever. No one enters Christ's kingdom. No one goes to heaven still suffering from cancer. No one goes to heaven with an amputated leg. No one goes to heaven with COVID. When we get there, it's gone. It's done. It's passed away. So yes, we can expect total healing from all our diseases, but if not in this life, certainly in the life to come. It's something that the gospel purchases for us. And you know, actually, as we read the Bible, even though it's full of wonderful healing miracles, the truth is that sickness in the Bible doesn't always get the miracle of healing, even among those whom the Lord clearly and dearly loves. So I found this quite interesting, going through the Bible and seeing different instances of illness and what happened to those people. Jacob, uh, you know, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, he got sick in his old age and he died, Genesis 48. He wasn't healed this side of heaven. Elisha, the great prophet who came after Elijah, he got sick and he died, 2 Kings 13. He wasn't healed either. Think of Paul in the New Testament, the great apostle to the non-Jewish nations. He suffered with a thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, which was probably some chronic physical illness. And God told Paul directly that he would not be delivered from it. And we read of many others in the Bible, like Daniel the prophet and Paul's fellow workers Trophimus in 2 Timothy 4 and Epaphroditus in Philippians 2, who were very ill and, if they recovered, apparently did so without any evidence of miraculous healing, at least from our perspective. Their illness and recovery was simply the normal course of human life in a world broken by sin this side of heaven. So yes, illness is part of our human experience this side of heaven because of sin in the world. And the Bible doesn't ever promise healing now because the healing of our hearts through the gospel is far more important than the physical healing of our bodies. If we have the gospel, we will have physical healing later. There's an incident in the gospels which ties this together in a clear and beautiful way in Mark chapter 2, where a paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. If you've got a Bible, please turn there with me. It's worth reading. I'm sure you know the story. Uh, Jesus is teaching in this in a crowded house, and some friends have got a, a paralyzed mate who can't walk, can't do anything for himself. They want to bring him to Jesus that presumably he gets healed. The only way they can do that is if they go up on the roof of the house, they dig a hole in the roof, and they let the man down in front of Jesus. You know, I, I, I think it's a great feat of engineering that they could go up on the roof and kind of triangulate exactly where Jesus was below the roof so they could make the hole in the right place and drop this guy down. And so he comes down on these ropes right in the front of the crowd in front of Jesus. And I think we all know how the story should go. I think everyone in the room thought they knew how this was going to happen, how this was going to play out. The overwhelming expectation is that Jesus would simply heal the guy and then he stands up and walks out on his own two feet. But you know what? That's not what Jesus does. Look with me at verse 5. 
says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I would love to have been in that paralytic's shoes. I'm sure he knew what he was expecting as well. And the words that came out of Jesus' mouth were certainly not what he hoped to hear. So Jesus doesn't heal him, but he does forgive his sins, which is actually better by far. That's because Jesus knows it's better for this man to have his sins forgiven and enter his father's presence running and jumping and dancing with his restored body forever than it is for him just to be healed now and carry himself to hell under his own steam. It's enough that Jesus forgave the man's sins because that's all he really needs. Jesus needs to do no more for him. He's done everything for him. Now, as you can see, Jesus does go on to heal him. But the point of the healing is only to prove to his detractors that he does actually have the authority of God to forgive sins. The healing is not about, about the man at all. He's sorted for eternity. The healing is actually all about Jesus and who he is. It's an incredible story and just reminds us of the different uh, layers between physical healing and the healing of our hearts, the disease of sin, and how that's dealt with by Jesus. So yes, illness is part of our human experience, this side of heaven, because of sin in the world. And yes, the Bible doesn't ever promise healing because the healing of our hearts through the gospel is far more important than the physical healing of our bodies. And if our hearts are healed by the gospel, we can look forward to a glorious eternity with Jesus forever in heaven, where we are freed from every sickness, every disease, every malfunction in our bodies. And we're given a body like him. Now, I think it's easy to stop there and, and think about sickness as kind of just the frustrating collateral damage of a fallen world and nothing more. A, a burr under the saddle. An interruption to our lives. Maybe even an interruption to our lives following Jesus, which we just need to tolerate until Jesus comes back. At the very least, though, the fact that God often uses sickness to fast forward our lives to our future glory with him forever, it should tell us that God is sovereign over our sickness and that under his sovereignty, our sickness is never without purpose. Now, please don't hear me or the Bible minimizing whatever deep and painful things you've suffered as a result of ill health in your life. That's not what's going on here. It's not where this is going. But know that however great your suffering in sickness has been, God's purpose for you is even greater. In Romans chapter 8 again, Paul makes a startling statement about God's purpose for us. It says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, friends, God has a purpose for us. And that purpose is to be conformed to the image of his Son, verse 29. In other words, to make us more and more like Jesus. 
Romans 8 tells us that this purpose is good. And God orders all things towards this purpose, this good purpose of making us more like Jesus. Can all things perhaps include our sickness and illnesses and diseases? I can't see why not. According to Romans 8, God works even our sicknesses for our good to make us more like Jesus and to prepare us for a life longer and far greater than this one. About 150 years ago, a church leader named J.C. Ryle uh, wrote a short booklet simply called Sickness, which I'd highly recommend to you. It's only about 20 pages long, and there's even a modernized version done by an Australian, which makes Ryle's wisdom here very accessible. And on the subject of the purpose of our sickness, Ryle says this, I know the suffering and pain which sickness involves. I admit the misery and wretchedness which it often brings, but I cannot regard it as completely evil. I see in it a wise plan and purpose of God. I see in it a useful provision to reduce the ravages of sin and the devil among men's souls. If man had never sinned, I should have been at a loss to determine the benefit of sickness. But since there is sin in the world, I can see that sickness is good. It is a blessing as much as a curse. It is a rough schoolmaster, I grant, but it is a real friend to man's soul. Well, how is sickness a friend to our soul? If God uses it to do a number of good things for us, it certainly is a friend to our soul. I'm going to suggest five good ways that God uses sickness uh, to help make us more like Jesus. And I'm sure you could think of more and encourage you to do that. But, but here's five to consider. The first one is that sickness reminds us to stop and think. You know, when there's nothing else to do but lie in bed or lie on the couch, we're given time to space, uh, time and space to do something we usually don't get to do. And that's just stop and think, reflect Reflect on our lives, reflect on our priorities, reflect on our future, reflect on who we are before God, reflect on what we have in Christ, reflect on our own hearts, what matters to us. The Greek philosopher Socrates famously said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And you know, alongside sleeping and binging on Netflix and reading books, Sickness often allows us to do some examining of our lives. And surely that's a good thing. Well, secondly, sickness reminds us that we're not invincible. Sickness tells us that we're human, just like everyone else. And it tells us that we're certainly not God. You know, when we're stuck to a hospital bed attached to tubes and monitors or or we're limited to that safe distance from the toilet. We're freed from trying to be everything to everyone, everywhere. And you know what? The world carries on without us. God keeps doing his thing without us having to be on the front foot all the time. Gives us the opportunity to simply stop and admit to ourselves and to others that I can't. It reminds us that we need others. And we need God. And yes, we need a rescuer. 
And so, yes, it's a good thing that sickness reminds us we're not invincible. Thirdly, sickness reminds us that one day we're going to die. It might just be a sniffle now, but one day we will get sick for the last time and our hearts will sound a final beat. If we let it, sickness will remind us that we should plan to die on one unknown day and be prepared to enter a life beyond this one. It reminds us that there is more to living than just this life. And surely that's a good thing as well. Number four, sickness reminds us of the gospel. You know, sickness is like the dashboard warning light on your car that reminds you that uh, the oil pressure is getting low or there's some other catastrophic failure about to happen. Sickness is like a dashboard warning light reminding us that everything isn't okay. And you know, we easily forget this and we live like everything is okay. But even a headache can remind us that we're living in a world broken by sin, that we ourselves are sinners and that we need rescuing. And so in this way, sickness reminds us of the gospel. It reminds us that the path to full healing is through a future in glory secured for us by a Savior who suffered and died in our place and rose again to show us what we have to look forward to. Surely that's a good thing. And fifthly, sickness refines our faith. It points a little different to the others, but it, it kind of covers the others like an umbrella. Because whenever we get sick, we're faced with a choice. We can choose to be frustrated. We can choose just to power ahead. We can choose to be angry. We can choose to kick against things. We can choose to just be frustrated with the fact that this is not the way it should be, that this is not how I planned for things to go. Or we can choose to draw near to God through our illness. Learn to hold more loosely to the things of this world and more tightly to the things of God's kingdom. We can learn to long more for heaven where there is no more sickness or pain or death. We can learn to grow in our patience, our hope, our humility. And you know, if we do this, it also gives us an opportunity to show others the genuineness of our faith as they watch a Christian be sick with Jesus. It's a very different experience to being sick without Jesus. So yes, sickness refines our faith, and surely that's also a good thing. I think Job is an excellent example of this. In the Old Testament, Job was a man who loved God. But Satan was convinced that Job, like every other man, has his price. So he asks God for permission to make Job suffer, to prove that he had limits to his faith. And we're told, amazingly, that God gave Satan permission to test Job. He said to, Job, to Satan, you can do anything you want to Job, just don't take his life. And so Job 2 verse 7, Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. How's that for, a, for an illness? And there's no uh, you know, steroid creams or anything in those days. So Job grabs a piece of broken pottery and scrapes himself to, to try and help with the itching and the pain. And Job's own wife is the one who challenges his faith. 
Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women should speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So far from crushing Job's faith, this painful skin disease actually refined it to the point where he could vocalize his total trust in God's wisdom and goodness towards him, even when he didn't understand it, even when he was suffering, even when he was very sick. Now, all of us here are going to get sick. The likelihood of a COVID infection is increasing all the time, but the reality is we're all going to get ill at some time or another, COVID or not. It might be serious. It might be terminal. It might be a minor inconvenience. It might be short-term, might be long-term. But rather than see it negatively as if God is punishing you, which he isn't, he has punished your sin in Christ, or rather than seeing it as something neutral, as an interruption to tolerate, The Bible actually encourages us to see our sicknesses as a positive thing which God uses for our good. A friend of mine calls these things interruptions of grace. And yes, we've got to learn to see, the way the Bible describes it really, as sickness is an interruption of grace. It might not be pleasant. Ryle calls sickness a rough schoolmaster, but it's for our good. The key is to ask ourselves and ask the Lord whenever we're sick, what am I meant to learn through this? How are you training me, Lord? How are you making me more like Jesus? How are you preparing me more for heaven? Maybe in your sickness you need to learn to stop. Stop trying to be everything to everyone everywhere. Maybe you need to learn to depend on the Lord and depend on others more. And enjoy the blessings of support that he's given you. Maybe you need to learn that following Jesus isn't about comfort and blessing now in this life, but about glory later and often through suffering like Jesus. Maybe you need to learn the value of time spent in prayer, wrestling over the things you don't understand. Maybe you're living now like you're going to live forever and you need to learn that that's not reality. Maybe you need to learn that the gospel is always good news for you and the most valuable thing you have in the whole world is your relationship with God in Christ, in Jesus who loves you. And so whatever it is, don't waste being sick by kicking against it or just tolerating it. Even if it's just a cough, and I I know we're not meant to think like that anymore, But even if it's just something minor, ask God to help you see how he's making you more like Jesus through it. Even if it's just a little reminder, a little notification that things in this world aren't okay and we need Christ. I said close with a beautiful story from John's Gospel, chapter 9. You can turn there if you'd like. Back in John's Gospel. John chapter 9 is Jesus and uh, his disciples are heading towards Jerusalem. Uh, They pass by a man who's been blind since birth. You know, the disciples are conditioned, like many of us, to see sickness and disease purely as a sign of God's displeasure. 
And so without really knowing anything about the man, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, to the disciples, there's only one possible explanation for this man's blindness. God's judgment on personal sin. Either God took away his sight because he did something bad, uh, which I think might have been difficult considering he was born blind, or maybe his parents did something terrible and so God cursed them with a blind baby, punished them. I hope you can see already from what we've discussed so far that that's uh, an unlikely scenario. But Jesus' answer gives another explanation that the disciples hadn't even considered. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 3. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Wow. This man has been blind since birth so that one day Jesus would do something amazing in him and show the world that Jesus is the true rescuer. So even those Jesus loves get sick. But it's never without purpose. Friends, when you're sick, how might the work, works of God be displayed in you? Well, I think it's something to bring to the Lord now in prayer. How about we pray? Father God, we thank you that you send sickness to us as interruptions of grace. Father, I pray that you will give us the faith and the patience we need not to waste our sickness, but to learn the lessons you are teaching us to make us more like Jesus and prepare us more for heaven. Lord, give us compassion on one another when we are sick. And Lord, help us to care for each other in our suffering, but especially, Lord, to look towards each other's hearts and encourage each other's hearts when we're suffering ill health. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.